0: Well this morning the book of Isaiah, if you can find that, that's in the first part, the Old Testament. Isaiah and chapter number 9 is the two verses we're going to look at this morning. <clears throat> How many of this last couple of weeks have, have observed some Facebook debates about Christmas? Has anybody... Like, should you have it this or that, or is Santa Satan spelled wrong, and whether or not you should have church on Christmas Day, and if you don't, you're wicked, and if you do, you're stupid, and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> have you been in on any of that? I've watched some from afar laughing. I haven't got in on any of it. I promise, I have not. Because you know what I've discovered in life? If I can handle my own business, I'll do well. Amen. And leave others to their business and I'm, I've got my hands full with just me. So here we are on Christmas Day. I'm for it. I can tell you that. I'm for it. Isaiah chapter number 9. Verse number 6 and verse number 7. Two well-known verses uh, from the book of Isaiah. Regarding, as you can obviously tell, the prophecy of the coming Messiah. Notice what Isaiah wrote. And if you look, if you read chapter 9, in fact if you read the whole book of Isaiah, it's almost like these two verses are just stuck in the middle and really don't seem to fit in with the rest of the book. It's just like all of a sudden, wow, here's these two verses that stand out, prophetic. But I'm telling you, it's like the book is dark, It's a dark book. It's a book of judgment. God's not pleased with his people, but right in the middle of that, hope, promise. Notice what he said. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his kingdom, of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to preach to you from this title out of this passage, a different baby, a different baby. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we're in your house this morning as we celebrate this day to set aside this day to celebrate your birth. And uh, it's appropriate that we're in your house. I pray that everyone's had a good time of uh, Christmas celebration or will have. And as we have that, we would focus on the birth of Christ who gives us hope and peace. So as we look in your word this morning, speak to hearts. It could be there's some who don't know Christ, some who have spiritual need today. Would you speak to all of our hearts through your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. may be seated. A different baby. All right, now don't get mad at me. Promise? It's Christmas for crying out loud. I say unto thee this. One baby is pretty much like another. Come on, you know. They pretty much look alike. They sound alike. They have no real distinguishing characteristics. To tell one from another. Here's proof. In 1996, a study by this company, Vice President of Technology for this medical company that was going to develop new ID bracelets for newborns. They did a big study and discovered this. Every year, 28,000 babies get switched in hospitals temporarily or permanently. Which made me to conclude this. If you were born sometime before 1996, or if you had a child before 1996, you could be in the wrong family, or you could have the wrong kid. may explain some things. Now, I speak from experience when I say one baby's pretty much like another because I have personally front row tickets to see the appearance of babies on four occasions. I was there in the room, I was right there, and I have been in just after the grand appearance on many, many occasions and seen many 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 newborns and i can tell you one's pretty much like the next now if you're related if you're the grandpa if you're the father the mother etc it's certainly exciting but you know and i know for the first few months they're all the same they sleep a little cry Eat other things, (laughs) and that is the size of it. That's all you get for quite a while. That is all you get out of a baby. Babies do what babies do with very little variation around the world, and all of us, we have high hopes for them, but there's certainly no guarantees, are there? So think about these things. Babies, number one, they're helpless. Babies can do absolutely nothing on their own. By themselves, they have neither the power or the ability to take care of even the most basic of their needs, do they? They're helpless. I've noticed this, too, about babies. Babies are selfish. There hasn't been a baby born on this planet that didn't care about itself above all others. They want to eat when they want to eat, regardless of what you want. They want to sleep on their schedule, regardless of what your schedule may be. Because babies only think of themselves. They are number one in their minds. Babies also are unaware of the world around them. Have you noticed? They are unaware of what's going on in the world. There be Wars could come and go. It doesn't affect them. Famines could come and go. Elections could come and go. Inflation can go up or down. None of that means anything to them in their own little selfish world. Babies also know nothing but what they're feeling because they don't care how you feel. They don't care how tired you are. They don't care how hungry you may be or how sick you may be or how hard your day may have been or what pressures you may be under. They only know what they feel and they are interested in their own comfort. That is babies the world over and has been since the beginning. And So when you think about that as babies and what the characteristics of babies are, is, and I'm telling you that's the truth. Maybe that helps us understand a little bit why the world was no, so nonchalant when Jesus was born. They'd seen babies before. One baby's pretty much like another. So why get all worked up and excited about the news of this baby that was born? And perhaps, think about it, the news of another birth was probably really not enough for people to get out of their beds. After all, a baby is a baby is a baby. What's the big deal? It's not like this baby is going to change the world or something. So at his birth, you know, you have his mother. You have Joseph. You have some shepherds. You possibly have an animal or two. And that's about it. And Luke, we read earlier. Luke tells us that the shepherds, you know what they did? They went and spread the news. They spread the news about what they had seen, the heavenly vision, and, and then about Mary and Joseph and the babe and the manger. They went and spread the news. And if you read in Luke, notice what it says. The reaction of the people when he, they went out and just started telling everyone, the reaction of the people was this. They wondered at those things that the shepherd says. In other words, if I can put it in maybe our way of thinking, they scratched their heads and thought about it. Well, we, we are expecting Messiah, but Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, who are they? A stable? Shepherds? I mean, that's a good story, but I mean, I've seen babies before, and it's probably just another baby. And think about this. What if the shepherds' words that night had convinced a whole crowd of people to come and see this baby? What if they had gone out and spread the news like it says they did, and a whole bunch of people got excited, and they said, a baby's born, we're all going to come see it. Think about what they would have seen had they crowded into that stable. You know what they would have seen? A baby. No halos. Sorry. No hovering angels. No glowing newborn, just a normal baby, probably crying, looked like all the other babies they had seen. I mean, a newborn baby, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not necessarily a miraculous thing, not necessarily. Jesus was a baby. Now, he was born in an unusual place for sure, but he was a baby. And the question then I asked myself and I was reading in Isaiah. Why is this baby? What, what makes him different from all other babies? I mean the baby is a baby is a baby. Sorry. A baby is a baby. They're born all the time. Why is this one Different Isaiah helps us. Now Isaiah, he prophesied in 739 to 681 in that time frame. He prophesied to Judah. And there were five different kings who came and went under his time. The last one being Manasseh, who was not a good king. And if you will read in chapter 11 of Hebrews, I'm sure you've noticed before, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, as Paul begins to describe many of our heroes, we call that sometimes the heroes of our faith in that chapter, and many of them who suffered uh, under the hands of ungodly men. You remember specifically it says once in Hebrews 11 that they were sawn asunder. Probably a specific Reference to Isaiah, who was martyred under the hands of the wicked Manasseh. Because as you read Isaiah, what you find is Judah had turned their back on God. And Isaiah begins to detail God's judgment against his people who persist in their rebellion. And in this book of God's judgment, we see on more than one occasion a ray of hope. And we see promises of deliverance 700 years before the baby in the manger. Isaiah, he gives us some of the clearest prophecies of the coming Messiah. These verses, don't they tell us a lot about what makes that baby lying in a manger different from every other baby that's ever been born. And the people sleeping in their beds in Bethlehem that night, they may not have noticed a difference. But this baby was unlike any other baby ever Born or since. He was different. So Isaiah with Isaiah's help and and some New Testament uh, scriptures. I want to show you just a few things about what makes this baby different from all other babies. Number one his pre-existence is different. His pre-existence makes him different. John 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The only child who ever preexisted his birth was Jesus Christ. That makes him different. Now, if, if you follow Mormon doctrine, or if you were or are a Mormon, you believe that heaven's full of spirit babies waiting to be born. Uh, no, I don't know how to describe my no. No, that would make all of us pre-existent, wouldn't it? That's not true. But according to this passage, notice it calls him the everlasting father. The baby, my mind will spin off its head, you know, I don't understand this. The baby in Mary's arms was the everlasting father. You remember in the New Testament, uh, the Jesus, he was always getting in trouble with the Jews. The Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, they were so smart. And he, occasionally he would get in trouble with them. Well on one occasion he really got in trouble with them and they were in fact they picked up stones and they were ready to throw stones at Jesus simply because he said this before Abraham was I am <laughs> They knew what he meant I'm older than Abraham I I have been around since way before, before Abraham was, I am. They literally began to pick up stones to stone him. John the Baptist, listen to what he said. This was he, talking about Jesus, of whom I spake. He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John the Baptist, who's six months older than his cousin Jesus, says "He, he was way before me. It was that baby, that one we see on those cards and in those nativity scenes. It was that baby who stood on nothing and spoke the worlds into existence. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made, the Bible says. It was that baby who breathed life into Adam. It was that baby who parted the Red Sea. It was that baby who says, and I'll quote a a stanza from one of my favorite songs. It says this, he created the womb that had given him birth. Think of that. Now it's beyond my ability to grasp any of that. But Jesus is eternal. And his birth was just his appearance in flesh. But he existed along with his father as part of the Trinity since eternity passed. Say, so how long has eternity passed? Again, I can't, I can't begin to describe. But that sets him apart. That sets him apart from any other child. He is different in his pre-existence. Jesus in the manger was the everlasting father. How about this? How about this second one? His conception. Jesus is certainly different in his conception. All babies are born the same way they require a mother and a father. But God gave us way back Way back in Genesis, God gave us the first hint that there was going to be this miraculous birth of this coming Redeemer because He referred to Him in Genesis chapter 3. Listen, the seed of the woman. Jesus referred to, or God, however you want to put it, He referred to Himself in Genesis 3 as the coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer, as the seed of the woman. Because every child is the seed of a father. Every baby is the seed of his father. So evidently this baby is going to be different. He's going to be unlike any other baby. Because his father would not be a human man. In chapter 7 of Isaiah he gave another glimpse when he said this. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, how important, Brother Ted, is it that we I mean, we're always talking about the virgin birth, we're talking about that Jesus had no earthly father, the seed of the woman, and it was she he was Mary was his mother, but Joseph wasn't really his father. How important is that doctrine? I mean, it's not that important, is it? Well, listen to this. It's important because it was prophesied. It was prophesied by the Old Testament, uh, by the Old Testament prophets, that Messiah would fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies, so that makes it very important that he fulfilled that by being virgin born. And it's important because of this. Only a sinless sacrifice could take away the sins of the world. Only the blood, listen, of a sinless sacrifice could take away the sins of the world. And if that baby was different because of his parentage, his father was not of earth. He was born of the heavenly father. And we all know we get our blood from our fathers. That means his blood wasn't like our blood. His blood was different. My blood came from my father. And if you want to trace it far enough back. You'll land on a guy named Adam. Wherefore is one man's sin entered into the world. So death by sin. Death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. For as in Adam all die. Hey if you're in here you're in Adam. You can trace it all the way back. Your blood. But that little Baby. That little baby that Mary rocked that night, his blood came from his father. His blood was perfect. His blood was holy. His blood was sinless. And there's only one baby ever born who could do what you and I could never do for ourselves, and that's take our sins. And he was born in a manger on that day. Listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter number 10. For it is not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. But this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. I'm telling you, he was different. He was different because of his pre-existence. He was different because of his conception. He wasn't like babies. He wasn't like any other baby that's ever been born since. And his blood wasn't like any blood. And number three, this baby was different because of his promise. Now, Some of you will relate to this. When your children become adults, if you're in here and you've got small children, eventually they'll they'll get married, they'll grow up. Let me give you a hint. You make them promise to give you grandchildren. Just make that part of the vows if you want to. And for those of you right now with small children at home, And you're living right in the middle of this, you know, diapers and sleepless nights and crying and chaos and throw up. Here's a ray of hope. You may not be able to see it now. But one day the clouds will break and you'll have grandchildren. (laughs) One day all your labor will pay off. And if I were you, I'd make a promise. Promise to give you a bunch of grandkids. But this promise, think of this promise of the birth of the Messiah. The one that we celebrate on December 25th. It's old it's as the promise is as old as creation itself. And as soon as we are it's recorded that Adam and Eve fell. I mean As soon as it's recorded that man sinned, God makes a promise of a Savior. Isn't it like God to respond with our sin and failure by showing us hope and light? Isaiah said, His name shall be called Wonderful. If you look up wonderful, the word just, it means this, a miraculous, a miraculous thing. Now, all of us, we've held a baby. and I've held my share. And many times we'll look at him and we'll call him a miracle, this little miracle. Isaiah, as he was writing, looking forward to that one that would take away the sin of the world. And he said that those of us who would see him, those of us who would know him, would call him wonderful. Wonderful in this person because in the glory and the beauty of who he would be, that he would be God and man in one person. He'd have two different natures, and they'd be different from each other, but they would be united in Him, and He would be truly God, and He would become man, and He would be born of a virgin, wonderful in His person. And He'd be wonderful in His disposition and the qualities He possessed. Think of His love towards people and His sympathy towards people, and in His humility and His meekness and His patience and His wisdom and His conduct and His courage and the greatness of His soul, He would be wonderful in His disposition. He would be wonderful in his life and think of his private life and the many wonderful things that are recorded of him. The wise men directed by a star and they worshiped him. And the pres- He was preserved from the cruelty of Herod, remember, and his disposition, uh, disputation with the doctors, remember, in the temple when he's 12 years old. And his public life was nothing but a series of wonders over and over. And he's baptized in Jordan, tempted in the wilderness, and his Teaching and his doctrines and his miracles and his transfiguration on the Mount. Wonderful in his life. Wonderful in his death. Think of it. That he should even die. The Prince of life, the Lord of life and glory. That he should die. And that he should die with his Father's consent. And that he should die for us, for sinners. And that even he would die for the chief of sinners. And by his death he would give us life and abolish death. And destroy the one that had power of it. The devil. And obtain salvation and redemption. He was wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his resurrection. By his own power. Before he even saw corruption. By the time that was signified by the types and the prophecies given. The same body exceeding glorious. with Has now influence on our justification and regeneration and resurrection. He was wonderful in his resurrection. He was wonderful in his ascension to heaven. Have you read about it? Both in the way it happened on a cloud and the effects of it. He received uh, gifts to men. Gave gifts to men in his entrance into heaven. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession he'll be wonderful in his second coming the signs of it are they not everywhere the manner of it will be wonderful to be glorious his second coming will have different effects on men some of us I hope will be filled with joy others will be filled with terror and all the things that will be done, the raising of the dead, the nations placed before him, separating the righteous and the wicked, pronouncing the sentences, executing them. I'm telling you, he'll be wonderful in his second coming. In a word, this promised child is wonderful in all he is and all he has. In his person, in his offices, in his relations, in his people, in his doctrines, in his ordinances, in the manifestations of himself and his grace to his people. Now and hereafter, the word means not just wonderful, but miracle itself. Christ in a word, in his person, in who he is, wonderful. What a promise. What a promise Isaiah gave us. How about this? He's different not in just his pre existence, but he certainly is. He's different in his conception, but not just that. He's different as a baby in his promise. But this baby's different in this way. This baby is different in his giving, because babies are certainly takers, are they not? Babies to, to take your money make no effort to repay. This goes on for about, I originally put 18 years. I'm going to scratch that out. Put 48 years. (laughs) Babies take your time. They'll do so with no remorse. Babies will take your sleep and they'll smile as they do it. Babies will take your sanity. And seem oblivious. And this goes on for years. And then one day you're going to lose it. And they're going to look at you as if they have no clue what brought on such a display. That's babies. They're takers. They just are. Jesus was different. Jesus came to give. As a baby, he probably wasn't much different than other babies. It doesn't seem, take long as we're reading about Jesus to see him giving. At the age of 12, remember we get a glimpse into how he viewed his purpose on this earth. He said, his words, I must be about my father's business. Is it just me or is it a rare child that would be interested only in doing what his father wants and not what he wants? And the birth of Just the birth of Christ. Was that not the greatest gift that could be given? Unto us a son is given. That first Christmas. Think of it. The greatest giver. Gave the greatest gift. Then who gave his life. Selflessly for you. For me. And you probably have or will get some wonderful gifts. In Sunday school, I mentioned a great gift I got last night, a three-foot tube full of gumballs. Man, that's awesome. I don't know if I've ever had a greater gift. I can chew gum all year long. So you've got some good gifts in your past, or you will have. You've got some today or yesterday that you're planning to return. Because giving gifts, that's part of how we celebrate Christmas, isn't it? Keep this in mind. That first gift, wrapped, swaddling clothes, given by a great heavenly giver, Amen. has made it possible that you and I could receive the free gift of salvation. It's a different, it was a different baby. Different in his preexistence and different in his conception and different in his promise and different in his giving and this different in his salvation because this baby, this baby saves. What a difference a baby makes. Take a baby home. Just go pick one. We got a bunch over there. Just line up. I tell you what, you take a baby home, it'll change your world. Your life will never be the same after bringing a baby home. Everything changes. Everything changes. But think of the changes that come when a person places their faith in this baby eternal salvation. Salvation that's eternal, it's a no so salvation. It's a salvation that once given is never taken away. Well, Brother Ted, do you believe in, you know, once saved, always saved? Yes, yes. And I know people want to use that term in derision. I'll buy it. I'll take it. Once saved, always saved. If you place your faith in this baby, you have peace with God. There's no other way. Peace. Think of it. Peace with God. Before this baby came, you would be at odds with God. You receive this child. Peace with God. Think of this, free access to the Father. I don't have to go through anyone. I don't have to tell anyone my sins or hope someone else prays for me or intercedes for me. I have free access to the Father because of this baby. I've been adopted into his family. I'm an heir of God. I'm a new creature. I've been indwelt by the Spirit. Think of this, your name is in the book of life. Sealed by the Holy Spirit, forgiven, justified, redeemed. This baby, this baby brings more than just a good feeling every December 25th. He brings salvation to all who will receive him. This baby does what no other baby could possibly do. I don't care what name you give it, Joseph Smith or Muhammad or any other babies that have been born. This baby's different. He gives salvation. Now, there's those here who have babies or you have grandbabies, and I, I understand because you look at those babies and you see all the potential that you know they have, and you see what they can't see, and maybe you see what no one else sees. And that little one, as he grows, he may or may not live up to all the potential that you see because time will certainly tell. But that baby, that baby in the manger on that first Christmas, I'm going to guess to the casual observer, just someone in Bethlehem who wandered by. If they had seen that baby, they would have said to themselves, it's just... I've seen babies before. They're pretty much all kind of alike. But remember, this baby had a birth unlike any other. His birth was prophesied. His birth came through a virgin girl. And according to what Isaiah says in those two verses, he says, the government of this baby shall be on his shoulder. He was born to royal dignity. The kings of earth are all going to bow to this baby. And one day he'll set up an everlasting kingdom of peace. He said he shall be called wonderful. Everything he did, everything he said, everything about him was and is wonderful. From creation to the everlasting kingdom, the alpha and omega, the beginning to the end. He is wonderful. Can anyone in this room stand and say, well, he hasn't proved to be wonderful to me. Not if you're breathing his air, you can't say that. And certainly not those of us who've been recipients of his love and his grace. We can all say together, he is wonderful. Isaiah said he's counselor. In other words, his wisdom, it's measureless. He he holds the qualifications to guide and the qualifications to direct in the affairs of men. And where do we turn when we're perplexed? And where do we turn when we're in turmoil? It's because he's the one who will guide us. He's the one who guides us through the heartaches and the trials of life. Because he's our counselor and he's our help and he's our guide. Isaiah said he's the mighty God. Think of this, God laid in a manger. Mary wrapped God in swaddling clothes and fed him and comforted him and sang to him. It was God. Babies aren't too intimidating, are they? That image of Jesus in the manger makes makes everyone feel good about him, but make no mistake, Isaiah said, he's mighty God. When he took his first steps, he fell down and cried, he was mighty God. When he played with his friends and laughed and ran, he was mighty God. When he stood on a boat and calmed the waves, when he gave sight to the blind and lame, the lame to walk and gave life to the dead, he was mighty God. Amen. And when he hung on a cross and he was, seemed to be helpless at the hands of angry men, he was mighty God. And the Bible's clear. There will be a day when all eyes shall see him. He'll come in power and glory. And he'll show the nations that he is and has always been mighty God. Isaiah said he's the everlasting father. If you look that up, it literally means this. He's the father of eternity. And think about everything that you love about our earthly father. Everything that an earthly father should be. We will through eternity have a heavenly father who will be that to his children. He will never die and will never be left fatherless. He will ever continue in this relationship. He supplies us with everlasting provisions. He clothes us with everlasting raiment. He gives us an everlasting portion. He promotes us to everlasting honor. He saves us with an everlasting salvation. And he gives an everlasting love to us. He's the everlasting father. And then he calls him, notice, the prince of peace. He's the author of peace between God and sinners. Through his blood, we can know peace because he is the giver of peace. And when the angels announced his birth to those shepherds that first night on the hillside, remember what they said peace, goodwill to men. He's a different baby in his preexistence, in his conception, in his promise, in his giving, his salvation. He's not like any other baby. It's ever been born or ever will be. It's different. My question to you this morning, and I don't know, may have guests, there may be some here who don't know Christ. Do you know him? Not just, do you know that there's been a baby born in a manger, and we celebrate it every December 25th, and we, we have a fuzzy feeling, and then in a few days we go about our business. I'm talking about a baby unlike any baby that's ever been born. Because he was and is and always has been God who came in the flesh. And the Bible says now sits at the right hand of God. And he alone can give forgiveness of sins and peace and love and joy. If you haven't received that gift, can I tell you you're missing the greatest gift that's ever been given. And he offers it to all of us. For those of us who know him, and I'm assuming most of us, you know Christ. Chances are you wouldn't be here on a Christmas morning if you didn't know Jesus and you want to worship him. Isn't it amazing when we think of all the ramifications of God in the flesh. God in a manger. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Given to us. Given to us as the greatest Christmas gift. Now we can know Him. The forgiveness of sins. It could be today that you don't know Christ. You've never received Him and the forgiveness of sins and the peace that comes. Can I tell you that this would be the greatest Christmas that you've ever experienced. If you would receive Him today. We're going to have an invitation in a moment. We have an opportunity for folks to come and pray. If you'd like to talk to someone about your soul. About where you'd spend eternity. About this baby, this different baby who came so we could have life. We'd love to talk to you about that this morning. With her heads bowed, and her eyes closed. Let me ask a question before we have an invitation. I mean, say, Brother Ted, I know I'm saved. I don't, I'm not everything I should be, but I know I'm saved. I want to raise my hand as a testimony to the fact that I know if I died, Heaven would be my home. I'm on my way. I'm saved. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Aren't you glad that you can celebrate Christmas in a way not like the world, but knowing that baby that was born in a manger? Is there one who would say, Brother Ted, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that I, I'm saved. I celebrate Christmas. I give gifts. I do all the things we do, but I don't know that I know Him as my Savior. I'm concerned about it. Is there one that would raise your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Ted? I'm not certain about this thing of being saved, but I'm concerned. Would you pray for me? Is there one that would lift their hand? Brother Ted, pray for me. I'm not sure, but I'm concerned enough to raise my hand. I want to know just who to pray for. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word. And I'm thankful for the gift of your son who came not like any other baby. It's a different baby. And that great gift that you gave us that we celebrate today made it possible that we could have eternal salvation. I'm so thankful. There may be some that you spoke into their hearts this morning in some way, maybe having nothing to do with the message, and maybe folks just want to spend a moment. And thank you for this great gift. There may be some who don't know Christ as their Savior. I pray that they'd have the courage to come forward. Let us take a Bible and show them what that means. That so they could leave this place knowing the true meaning of Christmas. However you spoke spoken to hearts, would you have your way in a time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.